Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? And we're back. Episode 44. Took us a couple weeks extra. We had some COVID scares. We had work. Well, it wasn't a COVID scare. There was actual COVID. That's true. It wasn't a scare. There was COVID. (laughs) Um, (laughs) However, you did not get it, right? No, no. Good, good. Um, However, some people at the Fritz studio did. Um, but everyone's safe now. Everyone's healthy. They all quarantined and then, uh, work got in the way and life got in the way. And that's, that's how everything goes. You know, we're adults. Things happen. This isn't a full-time job. Leave us alone. (laughs) There's someone coughing and sneezing in the background, but I wonder who it could be. (laughs) Um... Get her out of here. (laughs) All right. Uh, so today's episode is coming from, uh, MIT. Uh, we reached out to them personally. They're sponsoring the show, and uh, it's all about robots. So MIT, build build a robot. That's they're giving us a robot. That's our that's us... our sponsorship payment. That's, that's the story. Robot time for what do you got? It's just <laughs> called the WDYG robot. And it's just... a bit of a white elephant, but you know we're really into it. <laughs> he just walks around the room and goes, "What do you got?" And that's it. That's it. He doesn't he doesn't solve anything. He doesn't It's free. It's free advertise. <laughs> For who? I don't know, because it's in our place. Um <laughs> Well, you need to have more cocktail parties. <laughs> we always need to have more cocktail parties. It's uh, 1920. We're um, in a mood today. <laughs> we are in I just took a really good shower. You know how you have like a really good shower? Like yeah. you just feel refreshed afterwards. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel good. I feel refreshed. I feel clean. Well, let's bring that energy into another exciting episode of Two White Men Movies. Two White Men Movies. That's the name of our production company. It's not Drunk Panda. It's Two <laughs> White Men Movies. Once once we get Matt into the mix, it's, it's still Two White Men Movies. Um, <laughs> um, we are uh, working on something with uh, Mr. Matt uh, Delhauer, who uh, guest starred on episode 30. No, 20. He was first. Episode 20. He- yeah, I was gonna say. Well, yeah. he was supposed to be twenty. Did we? Did we skip over? Oh, that's true. He might back? not have been twenty. We might have had to make him. I think he was like twenty-four or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because his episode got corrupted, and we had to do a new one. Um, without giving any details away, and, and we'll we'll get into the episode in a second. Um, oh shoot, I have not been recording on Audacity. Let me just start that just to be safe, just so we have that backup as a backup. Um, okay, so uh, without giving anything away, Matt had an idea for a film probably more than a decade ago that I've been gung ho about for a long time. Yeah. He's got his notes for it. I'm like Microsoft word. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, he's got a lot of stuff for this one. And I, I've been, I've been very much into it since day one. Uh, but finally he decided to kick his ass and our ass into gear. So we, the three of us are going to finally start writing it. Um, that'll hopefully kick our asses into gear to get our movie, uh, which will be a, what do you got, uh, production, uh, on way. 
uh, which we've bleeped out the title of. We have not said anything in public. Um, <laughs> that will come at one day. But yeah, we're excited to get back into the to the writing swing of things. We were supposed to plan the other night, but of course, COVID. So that that happened. Uh, anyway, let's let's get down to brass tacks. As I've understood yeah. what that meant. What last episode or the episode before that where you told I me did it was tell tax you about brass as in T A C? Yeah. Um, okay. So anyway, this, this article. This article. So like, we we get into some weird shit. Yeah. This is probably the first time I've just sort of sat alone in my room staring off into the void because of something you sent me. It's <laughs> This is the first time, really? <laughs> or or just the first time high, for the podcast? I have a pretty high constitution for the things you sent me for this podcast, but this time <laughs> it's, it's just a series of words that shouldn't fit together, and yet they do. <laughs> yeah, so the article is, uh, is from uh, MIT.edu, the tech online edition. Um, this article is from the 90s. So 1998, there's some verbiage in here that I'm not going to repeat um, because that verbiage we wouldn't technically use today because it's it's not apropos. We're not going to use it. Um, that verbiage being the the R word, um, another synonym for mentally challenged. Uh, we're not going to be using that word, even though it's in the article. Uh, so just uh, take that with a grain of salt. If you happen to read the article, you're going to brush over that word a couple times. We're we're not going to indulge in it. Um, basically, back in the 90s, I'm, I'm sorry, back in the, the 40s and 50s, uh, MIT and Quaker Oats had an agreement, uh, which was basically a scientific uh, test. Um, uh, what was happening was the two of them paired up and were basically, I don't know, how would you say it? They were they were forcing people to eat radioactive metals um, in their in their morning breakfast cereal. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably the best way that we can put it. Um, in the 90s, uh, they agreed to a one point eight five million dollar payout to the children at the Walter E. F- uh, Fernald, I believe, uh, state school who were subjects of nutrition studies during the 40s and 50s, uh, part of a court settlement. Uh, the students were fed breakfast cereals laced with minute amounts of radioactive iron and calcium tracers. The children were encouraged to take part in the testing with promises of gifts or trips to Red Sox games, which, I mean, 1940s and 50s, you're getting to see Ted Williams. That's a pretty big get. Um, <laughs> they were officially designated uh, as a school for, and I'm going to skip that word, uh, mentally challenged children. Uh, although some of the residents at the time uh, of the experiment were not mentally challenged. Um, following the declassification of federal records on post-war radiation experiments in 1993, a state task force investigated post-war radiation experiments throughout Massachusetts. They found that children at the Institute were used in experiments without the informed consent of parents. A class action suit against MIT and Quaker Oats was filed by former students in December of 1995. So a statement issued following uh, the statement, I'm sorry, following the settlement, uh, said that the money would come primarily from MIT. Quote, I look on it as the tuition of 20 students, said Vice President for Research and Dean of Graduate Education, J. David Lister, Ph.D., 65. Remember, this is in the 90s, uh, who investigated MIT's involvement in the Fernald experiments and presented his findings to the state task force in 1994. The Institute is not insured for such a liability, so the money for the settlement will come directly from Institute funds. Basically, the amount of money going to each individual subject to the experiments was dependent on the number of people who filed claims, uh, said Michael K. Match- Matchin, um, Match- Matchin of Dangle, Donnell, and Fine, an attorney for <laughs> plaintiffs. <laughs> it sounds like an 80s porno. Uh, <laughs> Dangle, Dangle that Donald fine Donald, Donald right over here. <laughs> 
attorney for the plaintiffs in the case. If 40 to 50 people file a claim, the average settlement will vary from $20,000 to $30,000. Again, this is the 90s, so adjusted for inflation, that's probably closer to $40,000, $50,000, I would say, today. Maybe a little bit less or more. Um, as many as 54 children institutionalized at the Institute were subject to radiation tests, uh, according to former, re- former resident Ronald Bellieu, who was named as a plaintiff in the case. Uh, the work primarily involved ingestion of radioactive iron and calcium tracers with farina and oatmeal. <laughs> farina, now with more radioactive iron and calcium tracers. <laughs> I, I, that, that's, it's funny that that popped up because like, I stumbled onto farina brand like oatmeal or whatever it is in the supermarket yeah. one day. And I started laughing because one of my favorite character actors was a guy named Dennis Farina. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was in Snatch and a bunch yeah, of uh, Guy Ritchie movies. An extremely Chicago Italian man. Yeah. Did did he pass? He passed, right? He, he has, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember Dennis Farina. So I photoshopped <laughs> him onto the, onto the box. <laughs> That's perfect. Dennis Farina oatmeal. Uh, a third experiment <laughs> also involved the injection of minute amounts of radioactive calcium. Although children were exposed to radiation, all levels of exposure were lower than the standards used uh, the time as, at the time, as well as today's more stringent guidelines. The highest exposure for any single youth involved in the experimentation was 330 millireems. I'm not sure what that uh, measurement is. Uh, Less than the yearly background radiation in Denver. Whatever that means. Uh, MIT's position, quote, all along has been that none of these experiments involved a large enough dose of radiation to harm subjects. However, Lister regretted that proper procedures for consent were not followed. Yeah, that's kind of a problem, I, especially yeah. if it's children. Way to, way to back into the point. <laughs> right? It's like, look, it wasn't a lot of radiation, but we probably should have told the parents that their kids were eating radiation. We get it. We're sorry. <laughs> Jesus. After reading accounts of radiation experiments by MIT and the Boston Globe, President Charles M. Vest apologized for the Institute's involvement in those experiments. Plaintiffs, however, still harbor resentment about what was done to them 50 years ago. Quote, the fact of the matter is that they use these kids as guinea pigs. The action of the researchers violates Nuremberg and rules of decent society. They were blatantly lied to, in my opinion. Imagine a college at a breakfast food company (laughs) violating the Nuremberg codes for Nazis. (laughs) Those were for the Nazis. <laughs> this is obviously just going to be a Jackson Reinhardt uh, canonical pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Jackson Reinhardt and the uh, the and the, the maple farina cinnamon. oatmeal <laughs> yeah. and and the strawberry oatmeal. Um, we didn't know anything at the time, said Fred Boyce, who was one of the subjects and part of the class action suit. We just thought we were special. <laughs> Boy, we got to eat free oatmeal and possibly go see a Sox game? That's pretty great. <laughs> Teddy Paw <Paul> game? <laughs> that sounds like a good time, Paw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said that the fact that researchers from one of America's most prestigious institutes uh, were taking an interest in those institutionalized in the school raised spirits of the students. It was like, wow, someone was taking an interest. All of a sudden, we had some of the elite people. The later realization that the experiments were done through bribery, more food and promises of trips to baseball games caused many to become disillusioned. <laughs> it's a funny type of animosity, Boyce said about his feelings. It's like an abusive parent. It's like, <laughs> if you just do what I tell you, I'm not going to hit you anymore and we'll go to the ball game. <laughs> you mean I don't have to get a shiner and we can go see a game? You betcha, Pa. <laughs> the 20th century was bad. <laughs> it's, it's giving me... It's giving me alternate timeline andy griffith vibes 
Oh, gosh. I don't care for it. <laughs> the pond that they're always fishing in is incredibly radioactive, and he just throws <laughs> Ron Howard into it. Speaking of radioactive pines, I'm going off on a tangent real quick. How much of Reacher have you watched? I've watched zero of Reacher. Okay, you better watch all of Reacher. I binged the entire season. I binged the entire season yesterday, Rob. Um, it's <laughs> I'm a fantastic. big Alan Richardson fan. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm a big Reacher fan. I'm an even bigger Alan Richardson fan, and Thad Castle can do no harm. If any of I'm, you... I'm glad he's getting his money after getting screwed over on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. One and two. My God, yeah. they went through some shit. Um, if you don't know about that, listen to the Michael Rosenbaum interview he did with Alan Richardson uh, about TMNT and, and how poorly the the voice actors for the Turtles were screwed over during the two of those productions. Voice um, and, and onset uh, motion capture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Reacher is fantastic. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that now. If you're a fan, give us of, money, Amazon. Just get, honestly, you know what? Produce the podcast. We'll, we'll, we'll take it. Uh, get me in a room with Alan Richardson. That's all I care about. He mm-hmm. seems like the sweetest man. Um, <laughs> anyway, back to the topic at hand. In late 1995, President Clinton apologized to the subjects of the institute after an advisory committee's ruled that the tests were quote morally troubling. Although the government formally apologized, no financial compensation was offered to the victims. To me, it was like saying, "Mm, nothing was wrong, voice said. But the final hearing was set for spring of 1998. Uh, The settlement was approved by the U.S. District Court of Massachusetts at a preliminary hearing held in late December and encompasses all claims against the Institute involving the nutrition experiments. The final hearing on the uh, settlement, excuse me, is scheduled for early April. Uh, Claimants have until January 1st to either stake a claim in the settlement or file for exclusion from the class in order. Uh, The MIT ended up paying $1.85 million uh, for the radiation settlement uh, to the victims, which it's interesting that most of that money came from MIT and not Quaker. I mean, it should have been split 50-50. I'm not sure how those proceeds happened, hmm. (laughs) but you know. As long Liability as people... is, is not my strong legal, you know, uh, area of expertise, nor is any of the law. Uh, no, uh, it's bird law. Lawyer. It's bird law. <laughs> um, we're both very prestigious bird lawyers. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's the article. That's the the uh, hot off the press tip for uh, Quaker Oats. Um, yep. You might get some radiation. Tale. <laughs> and on the note of that deeply unpleasant tale of uh, scientific uh, unethics, uh, Nick... <laughs> What do you got? <laughs> okay, so I'm uh, I'm excited to hear your pitch because you texted me today saying that you have a good one. I think I have a good one too, and I don't know if they're going to be similar. I think this is, I don't know if it's a full-on action film, but it's definitely the closest to an action film that I've ever pitched. Okay. Um, my movie is kind of an action superhero film. Oh, for fuck's sake. Did you do one too? Yep. Thank God this is going to be an easy pitch. Okay, so basically what I'm doing here is there was a gentleman uh, in his teens was a part of an experiment similar to this, whether it's breakfast cereal, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, and later on in his life, he starts to realize some things are a little bit different about him. Now, his superpower is basically memory recall. Now, that doesn't mean for himself, which he can do for himself. But if he comes into physical contact with any person, he can basically recall anything from their life, phone numbers, bank accounts, uh, memories with their family, loved ones, anything at all. And he can recall that information fully. So what he does, I, I would say he's kind of an anti-hero. He doesn't use it to like rob banks or anything like that, but he does use it when he needs something quick. If he's like down on cash, he'll, you know, bump into someone at the ATM, get their ATM information and then take out some money, stuff like that. 
Oh, Switch is. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's kind of a cool concept. I've I've I'm pretty excited about this one. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 memory recall, and he can use that against everyone. Uh, basically, the premise of my story is that he accidentally bumps into the person who is responsible for these research experiments uh, back in the '90s or whenever they were uh, when he was a teen, um, and he accidentally bumps into them and remembers these things, which have kind of been blocked from his memory due to like, uh, you know, what's it called when you block something from your own memory? What's it called? There's a thing for it. Dreamcatcher talks about it. What is it? (laughs) I'm sure the word trauma is involved. Yeah. Something like that. When you block out that type of stuff from your memory, uh, it basically comes flooding back to him when he accidentally bumps into this person. Uh, so he kind of wants to get revenge. That's kind of the only premise I have for this film. Um, it is more along the lines of like him trying to figure out a way to ruin someone's life, which he can do very easily by having all this knowledge. Uh, my cast of characters is going to be fourfold. I have the main character uh, who is going to be played by Dylan O'Brien, um, uh, who I, I think is a very talented actor uh, from Maze Runner and Teen Wolf. Yeah, I'm glad he's not dead. Yeah, yeah. He went through a very serious brain injury on one of the Maze Runner movies and he was out of commission for like, I think nine or 10 months in the hospital. Yeah, it was um, rough. I remember like a big comeback thing for him was they gave him a voice role in uh, Bumblebee. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's doing well, I believe. And uh, I, I wish him all the best. I, I think he's incredibly talented. He was actually before Tom Holland was cast. He was my choice for, for Spider-Man. Um, but my, my other cast of characters is going to include the the woman who runs the research institute that he's trying to basically ruin, uh, played by Nicole Kidman, because I want to see her in a villain role like that. Nice. Um, I also have a female interest uh, in Alexandra Daddario, uh, because I love her. And then I think my fourth is supposed to be like a cop or someone trying to like track down uh, Dylan O'Brien's character. I, I don't know exactly how I didn't get that far, but that's going to be played by mm-hmm. James Marsden. Um, and then my director of choice is actually uh, Chad Stahelski uh, from John Wick 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> and the title of my movie is simply Recall. Not Total Recall, just Recall. Um, but it is it is that. It's about a man who basically has access to anyone's brain whenever he wants. He just has to come into physical contact with them. That's very interesting. Thank you. Um, so that's my pitch. It's kind of quick because I didn't do much story involved with it. Kind uh, of the same. Do... Okay, good. I want to do that together. So, Rob, what do you got? So, uh, my movie is uh, kind of similar in the experimental notion of it. Um, I, I stuck with the, the the origin of it being in kind of like the 50s, 60s okay. era um, in that I wanted to do... How should I explain this? Like, especially during like the Eisenhower administration and stuff, there was this thing where people were, were like really knee jerk about what do you mean you don't trust the government? Are you some <laughs> kind of communist? Like it's if they're putting commie. this in our school, yeah. Better you know, <laughs> dead than red. Uh, that whole attitude. <laughs> so I thought, um, what if there was a government program um that they disguised as free school lunches? Uh, where they were testing all kinds of different things in what they would serve to kids at Washington, D.C., elementary school, maybe middle school, Mm -hmm. um, which is why the name of my film is Sloppy Joe's. (laughs) (laughs) 
Is Chris I, Marley in it? I did a moment I wrote that down. I was like, Nick's going to laugh. <laughs> Sloppy Joes are just funny. <laughs> and we follow three of the kids who went to this school who wind up uh, from ingesting a very particular uh, radioactive element, um, developing superpowers um, <laughs> through which we cut up to pretty much the present day. Um, this has severely slowed their aging. Um, Ooh, okay. Or, or slow their aging mostly to a point because um, I chose actors in generally middle age. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, other than the fact that they're aging slower, their powers aren't super great. Okay. They're interesting. <laughs> um, so my cast is Martin Freeman, Vince Vaughn, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus is the Ooh. three kids who okay. did not uh, develop severe illnesses <laughs> from the free school lunches. Uh, and my director is Ryan Coogler. Okay. Because uh, I like him and I want to see him uh, do something a little to, to the left of where he's done. Um, so their powers are essentially Vince Vaughn can become twice his height, which is Vince Vaughn is pretty tall. That's 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 like 12 feet. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's almost 14 feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vince Vaughn is huge, uh, which is cool. But like when you think about it, being twice the height you are is not super useful. <laughs> yeah, what does that really do for you? Like, I'm not going <laughs> to guarantee you you're, like, proportionally twice as strong or anything like that. Like, like it became a thing where he was a celebrity for getting cats out of trees and, like, helping <laughs> helping people down from second floor fires. <laughs> he doesn't need a ladder. <laughs> yeah. But when you really get into the nitty gritty, it's like, well, here I am up here now. <laughs> Uh, Martin Freeman, I wanted to do a take off on Mr. Fantastic in that he is kind of elastic, but he can't really like stretch. So he's like very, he can be very bendy. And like, if you throw a dodgeball at him, it will really bounce off quite, quite okay. hard. Okay. Um, so yeah, he's, he's pretty elastic, but not like a rubber band, more like an actual piece of rubber. So like, again, cool. <laughs> not great. <laughs> like who are you going to fight? Um, <laughs> I've seen boxers punch rubber, you know? <laughs> it happens. And uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus uh, has the power uh, to levitate herself, but like a bit. <laughs> like like Chris Angel levitate or? <laughs> Pretty much, and it doesn't work over water. <laughs> and no one can be watching her, like like <laughs> hell in Mr. No, that's, that's too many sad <laughs> elements to the powers. <laughs> Like she doesn't, she doesn't have to be on the ground. Essentially, <laughs> limited anti gravity. Uh, and so, three of them in the present day, they're kind of they kind of like had some celebrity with it in like the eighties. Okay. Um, wow, we can even use clips of them when they were young. Oh, hell yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, Julie Louis uh, Dreyfus was on this this little show called Seinfeld. Uh, we might be able to use something from that. <laughs> or. Uh, or even SNL. earlier, Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not national good ones though. Uh, yeah. The yeah, most and, celebrated actress in Emmy history. Yeah, God, she's so fucking flawless. She's talented as hell. I, honestly. I put her in this just so I can have an excuse to look at her in person. Oh, she's um, she's phenomenal. When she did that movie, Enough Said with um, Gandolfini. Gandolfini, yeah. That movie didn't. That, that movie had no right to be as good as it was. No, she but tells it was a really both nice. of them story about it in the uh the Gandolfini documentary too oh i have to watch that oh it's only half an hour it's really good right. um yeah and so we follow them into the present day in this kind of like very blase 
the state of life that they're in. Like they all have real jobs because, mm. you know, you can't possibly keep monetizing this. How many commercials can we have for sports products with a tall guy? Or, so in a, in a way, are they kind of like the Incredibles where they're past, not that they had a prime, but they're past their prime and they're just working menial jobs. Yeah, in in that sense that like you know it's it's very flash in the pan. Like you know, imagine a world in which people develop these superpowers, but they're very grounded superpowers, and they're not ultimately like you're not Superman, you're not the Flash, you're not Batman, yeah, you're not even like Booster Gold. Like it's just yeah. something that's cool. Like, you're not even Kite Man, dude. <laughs> no, like it's a trick. You know, unless yeah. you become a criminal, it's a parlor trick. You're not going to be over. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, with the with the general public for a very long time, so I kind of wanted to just go into that and then have them become in a crisis situation, specifically incredibly useful. Oh, okay. So some specific crisis that calls for their exact uh, talents. Yep, 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 yep. That's going to be tough to come up with, but <laughs> you know, I kind of wanted to do like a people in in middle age dealing with the things that everyone in middle age does of yeah. that that crisis of self-confidence and self-worth yeah. and very literally discovering it on on two different levels okay. so that's that's sloppy joes sloppy joes all right i have an idea okay. um of how we can mash these two together mash them oh god that was loud uh-huh. and on top of that <laughs> change the theme just a little bit you said you want ryan coogler uh to direct this feels much more like a mike judge movie Ooh, this feels very office space to me. Yeah, Um, I can see that. I like the idea like office space or extract or something. I like the idea of it just being about these these middle aged people who are just like, oh, you know, we had a a couple ribbons and rewards back in the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. No one knows who they are anymore. But every once in a while, like "Ah, you're tall guy. Right. And like that was his (laughs) name, like tall guy, floaty girl. And like bounce man, like that's that's their names. I, I like the notion that Vince Vaughn is just so utterly fucking over it. He's like, yeah, I'll take your picture for like twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He starts charging for it. Um, but the idea that I have of how to mash them up, we turn my character into the villain. There was one person in the experiments whose whose powers are actually incredibly useful and mm-hmm. super powerful. So we have one character who stays like stays in the dark, right? Like they're not in the limelight. They don't want to be seen. They're like a ghost, but they're, you know, steal like they, they're robbing banks. They're mm-hmm. stealing pension funds, everything like that. Maybe the three of them work at like an office building like that, where, you know, an insurance company and uh, they're looking at all these like pension claims and stuff like that. And they start mm-hmm. to dig into it and notice something. Ooh, I like that a lot. So we have it. It would have to be someone. I mean, it it could be Dylan O'Brien. Actually, we can just say that he aged even less because yeah. of how powerful he is. Like everything came out great for him, and he just he, at this point he's passed on his business to himself as his son. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so good. So he's not drawing any attention to himself. Yep. Um, so, oh, this, the the new kid who's you know inherited daddy's money. Yeah, got, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when's the last time we even saw mr o'brien right <laughs> so we have we have vince vaughn we have julie louis dreyfus and uh martin freeman you said yes okay so the three of them work at like this insurance company uh in like the claims department doing menial work very mike judge um and they start to notice something wrong in like the books or something like that 
And that's when they start kind of digging deeper into it. And it sort of becomes like this thriller where we're, we're starting to dig into the, to the background of maybe his company is, you know, whatever it's called fucking golden coin industries, whatever. Um, where he does something super like super generic, right? Like it's a generic company like that sketch you and I want to do. Um, <laughs> yes. where, where it's just like, oh, they they fund operations in international economic resources for, you know, mm. current current events. W- what does that mean? Well, you know, they they handle the funds for these for these events that are currently going on. We provide support for digital transactions at both a domestic and an international level. What what kind of digital transactions though? Like, are they, is it like crypto or is, is it what? It's, oh no no no! <laughs> they don't elaborate any further. <laughs> it's like a cyberdyne, but it's just completely generic. Yeah, like you could talk for like a whole page about what they do, and not and like and I not still... get any information out of it. It's like I think maybe finance is involved because <laughs> they said transact. Okay, but they, that could still mean like an exchange of goods. They they have a lion as their logo. I'm not sure what that means though. That could <laughs> that could just be okay. a lot of different. Now things. I saw their logo at the beginning of a movie, so now I, I truly. <laughs> I'm thinking they're actually in production of some sort. This is this is insane. But I've also seen them on grocery store shelves. I'm just very confused. But what were the items? <laughs> well, that's the thing. There was like everything. <laughs> there were diapers and blueberries and medicine. But they, but they were Huggies diapers. <laughs> but like there, so it was like in partnership with the Golden Coin Company. <laughs> is it boxes? <laughs> Are they packaging? Is I am so in the weeds with the Golden Coin Lion Company. <laughs> the Golden Coin Lion Company. <laughs> so how does this come to head? What are we doing here? I, I know I just suddenly had, like, I want to establish, like, Martin Freeman is absolutely not bulletproof, despite the rubbery elastic- elasticness. <laughs> right. But, like, it, it, the situational usefulness for this is that um, Dylan O'Brien was on a tour for like a government contract that the company was going to get for whatever the fuck they do. Yeah. And like, he saw off in the background, like a schematic for a rail gun. And cause he's got that memory thing you were talking about. Now he just knows it. Right. 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 Um, and like somewhere near the end of the movie, he shoots this fucking rail gun at them. And because it's, it's kinetic force and not like piercing force, like a bullet, it does in fact bounce off Martin Freeman and right <laughs> back in his face. And that's how he's defeated. <laughs> does it kill him? With this super weapon. Oh, of course. Of course we're killing <laughs> Dylan O'Brien. <laughs> That's great. We're going to do what that accident could not. <laughs> what that accident could not. Oh, God. Yeah. Um. So I, I like your thing of just like through the banality of their accounting and like fact checking jobs, like things aren't matching up. Yeah. Probably three different departments for them. Yeah. 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 They start noticing different things from different standpoints, right? Like yeah. Vince Vaughn's looking at the pensions and Martin Freeman's looking at the, I don't know, the stock counts, options yeah. or whatever the counts. Julia's Julia probably is legal. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, and they, the, so are, are the three of them, how are we going about their relationship? Were they big in the eighties together or is it just these three people? I, I think they, like they, they were not like good friends in the school. You know, they were just mm-hmm. classmates. Mm-hmm. And then when these things manifested, 
like all three of them would be brought onto the tonight show. So they were, or there's stuff like that. So they were around each other a lot. And then did they just, you know, they, they became like people you do a musical with mm-hmm. like, you know, not all of them are going to be your friends, but like you had a good time doing it with them, but there's not like a relationship there. And then they all wind up getting jobs at this company. It's probably part of Dylan O'Brien just being like, that'd be funny if I employed the other people who got superpowers. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we see each other every day. Yeah, this is fun. How have you been? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How are things in uh, maintenance? I work in accounting. <laughs> great, great, great. <sighs> yep. <laughs> yep. Um, can you still? Uh, yep, I can still. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can still do it. Yeah. I can yeah. still get uh, tall. Pretty tall. I like I like I want to call them tall man bounce ball and uh, floaty girl <laughs> because because <laughs> we need to call her girl it can't be woman yep she has to be floaty girl yep absolutely <laughs> um I'm trying to think of I I want to I want to name it something similar to like losers mm-hmm. um like deadbeat or something like that <laughs> um. Oh, synonyms i mean yeah lo- losers is is strong deadbeat has more of like an employment connotation true guess... we could call it the defeated <laughs> oh jeez, it's just really sad um hmm bummer we could call it bummer bummer <laughs> yeah just or flop jeez just something that's like really like not there's nothing there's nothing like strong about it, right? Like it mm-hmm. should be a weak title. Uh I mean, do nothing? Ooh, do nothing? Yeah, do dash nothing. I do That's like it. that. That's a thing you can call someone. Yeah. It's it's very old school too. Like it all is. these all these do nothings and layabouts. <laughs> I like it. Um so we have them coming to head against him. But wh- how are we, how are we showcasing that he's a villain? That's my question, right? Like <sighs> without mm. just being like, first off, are they going to remember him? No, I think maybe like they've been aware that they're working for a company that's like owned by this guy they went to school with. Right. But they don't know that the present like son and inheritor is him is still him. Like they were watching him age. They didn't think he got powers. Dude, there's such it's a good dark, makeup. There's such a good dark comedy here because we have a moment where Dylan O'Brien tries to, you know, use their memories against them. But there's nothing good enough to use. Mm-hmm. Like he bumps into or he grabs Martin Freeman by the hand or Vince Vaughn or something. And, you know, any other person, he'd be able to, like, I don't know, blackmail or, like, use some type of memory against them (laughs) so that they feel so defeated and broken. He's he's so, like, overcome by ennui just from seeing his memories. Yeah, there's just nothing there for him to use. They've, They've never done anything of even remote importance for him to be able to, like, use it against them. And it just kind of, like it makes him really depressed. Like he tries really hard and he's just like, Oh God, there's nothing inside of you. He just says that directly to Vince Vaughn's face. And Vince Vaughn (laughs) just looks at him like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. Yeah. 
There's <laughs> just dead silence between the two of them. Punches him out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's still his his whole power is just memory recall. He's not super strong or anything. He'd still die in a fist fight or a gunfight or anything like that. Yep. So we we do have to find it like you 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 had the the Martin Freeman, you know, basically the bounce off of him. With yeah, like that's the, that's the final defeat. I think that the trio of it happening, <laughs> the trio of it happening is probably like, you know, Julia just manages to float across an electrified floor. Yeah. Slaps this thing out of his hand and he's like, all right, I've still got a gun. Like I'm going <laughs> to pick it up. And then Vince Vaughn grabs it and just plays keep away with it being up here. He's, like, <laughs> he's just holding it above him. Yeah. And already the height difference between Dylan O'Brien and Vince Vaughn is hilarious. So, yeah. <laughs> Because Vince Vaughn's got to be the other arm. He's just he keeps slapping the gun out of the way. (laughs) Is he like six six or is he taller? He he might be six six. I know he's well over six feet. Let me double check. Yeah, he's he's a tall gentleman. Have you seen Freaky? By the way, yes. uh, Vince Vaughn is six foot five. Six five. Okay. Okay. So he's he's Jack Reacher height. Bring it on back. So yeah, there's a thirteen foot tall dude. Or it's a big thing that he's like just under 13 feet. Yeah, he's not exactly 13 feet yet. He goes on Tinder and girls are still like, you're under 13 feet. You're not for me. Yeah. <laughs> 12 foot 10 is like my somehow absolute. it's 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 a lot, but it's not enough. It's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah, we there has to be a good montage in the beginning of just showing their kind of like not just their dating lives, but their personal lives. Mm-hmm. Like anytime he's on a date, obviously the first thing someone is going to ask is, does everything grow? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> every person he meets <laughs> romantic or not is asking that question. Yep. And his response is just, it's nothing I can use. Mm-hmm. Don't think you realize that <laughs> yeah. it is too large of a unit to be able to be pleasurable. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Vince Vaughn trying to explain that. So, mm-hmm. you know, just, just let him ramble on for a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, then I uh, have, I have to physically like stand back. here. <laughs> 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 and then, uh, with, uh, with Martin Freeman, it's, um, I don't I know. know I like, I like the quick image of a woman, you know, riding him. Um, and bouncing a little too hard, and she hits the ceiling and breaks her neck. <laughs> Wait, and dies? Yeah, <laughs> or she injures herself. Yeah, this is becoming a dark comedy, and I love you it. You brought you brought Mike Judge into. This. I did. I did bring Mike Judge into this, and I'm okay with it. Um, <laughs> someone just dies, but it also puts a dent into his ceiling, and then the camera pans, uh, tilts up, and you see a couple different dents in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's not the first one. Yep. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what we could do with Julia Louis. Something along the lines of like, um, she could float. You know, there's so many different positions, <laughs> and there's not really. There's, there's not. Or the, or it's just something as simple as like afterwards she's laying in bed and she wakes up in the middle of the night floating off the bed and just falls to the ground hits yep. her head or something like that i don't know she notices the sheets are stained so she's just like oh, float a little bit <laughs> yeah float a little bit over it so i don't have to lay on the sheet and just sleep like that 
Oh, dude, this is such an absurd comedy. I, I, I think this. a recurring gag for her has to be that she's always stepping in something. Yes, always. And it's like, well, it's too late. That It's not like a thing that just happens. Yeah. Like if I know there's going to be a puddle, I can... But if I'm not paying enough attention, which I'm not, because <laughs> why would I be? <laughs> she's always stepping in dog shit. Oh, God. No matter what. Every scene, she's got dog shit on her foot. Dylan O'Brien has a Pomeranian. <laughs> he has a little Pomeranian. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna almost Doctor Evil him. Yes, he has a little Pomeranian, and she like goes to meet with him because she's a lawyer for the company that they like employ or whatever. And and it's like uh, Elizabeth Holmes, where she just he just lets the dog shit in the office. Yeah, <laughs> he's a wolf. <laughs> He's not a wolf. He's a marshmallow. <laughs> and she, there's there's definitely that scene where she just flips out. Not a wolf. Not a wolf at all. <laughs> Somebody on Twitter said that playing Elizabeth Holmes in a movie should be like the new Batman thing. And that like every five years, someone else should get to do it and do their version of The Voice. <laughs> <laughs> Who's playing her again? Who's it? Emma Stone? No. Um, I know Amanda Seyfried is... Oh, they're doing multiple. And I think Jennifer Lawrence is. Yes, Jennifer Lawrence. That's the one I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was just committed, right? Committed. She was just uh <laughs> she was just committed. She should be committed. She was just um She was convicted. Convicted. Mm-hmm. But she was she was also acquitted on certain things or for a couple counts. Um yeah. I gotta watch Legal Legal. I have to see that video. <laughs> she was found like uh Oh, here it is. She's found guilty of three counts of wire fraud and one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. She was found not guilty on four counts of defrauding patients. That's so interesting the way that law works around that stuff. Because it's like, it's just such a, it's so mundane the way that they have to like prove these things. Mm-hmm. You know, with like the differences and all that stuff. Um, anyway, I digress. Um I don't know what else we have to say about this movie. This is a this is a very good Mike Judge film. Yeah. I like the notion that they, they become aware that he has like a giant evil scheme, but they don't like put enough of the pieces together to know what it is. They just know that it's bad. They don't know what he's actually trying to accomplish. Yeah. And his villain monologuing, because he's I like the notion that in theme with the company, he can be an extremely vague person. Yes. So his villain monologuing is like this epic speech of like villainy and 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 the world and all but these things but he so never actually gener- says yeah. what he's doing it's so <laughs> generic no matter how many times he explains it to them they're just not getting it because the, the, he's not saying anything of substance mm-hmm. it's just words being jumbled around in his it's like it's like he's a mad libs with generic wording <laughs> and the three of them are just standing there like i don't i don't know what's happening I know it's evil, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> I know it's bad. I know it's bad. We have to stop it. We have to stop it's what? The- Whatever it is, we have to stop it. <laughs> it's the South Park underpants gnomes. Just yeah. like, step one is collect underpants. Step, step three, three is, is profit. profit. Well, what's step two? Well, step uh, one is collect underpants. And step three is profit. <laughs> Hey, Billy, what's step two? <laughs> step one is collect out of- <laughs> And they're just going through the paperwork the entire time, just looking through manila folders of of 
bland information, mm-hmm. numbers and Excel spreadsheets and, and graphs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I know it involves a lot of weapons. <laughs> and at the end, you know, he keeps using the word totality. A yeah, lot. but no, no, look, I don't see any weapons in the budget. I'm not sure if there are weapons or not. Do you think it's like, do you think it's a metaphor? <laughs> I don't know. Can, can like, we you know, just we're ask out there, to explain? We're out there fighting the corporate war and, you know, <laughs> it's just our army and our weapons, but it's like. Capitalism just, bad? Is that is that the takeaway here? <laughs> the overall picture is bad. Like We can all, like, if you just step back and look at it, it's like, oh, it's this bad. is bad. We don't know what we're looking at. But mm. but we know it's not good. It's like the sailboat picture. Like once you focus, like oh there it is. <laughs> There's the sailboat. But <laughs> I don't know if the sailboat's in trouble or not. <laughs> Should we turn this over to someone? <laughs> we could. I feel like they're gonna have the same issue. That might. You know what? That's what it is. It's legally so that if we show this to the cops, they'd be like, huh. It's you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of J.K. Simmons and Burn After Reading. Yeah. So so what did we learn here? I guess we learned not to do whatever, whatever the fuck it is, it is we did. We did. Again. <laughs> and she wants us to to pay for her plastic surgery. Well, fuck it, pl- pay it. Yeah. Whatever. It's fine. Put that fucker <laughs> on a plane. <laughs> so so he's dead. Everyone who's been involved with this is dead. Yeah. So there's nothing to clean up. No. All right. Jesus. Well, (laughs) fuck it. I don't know. (laughs) What a great ending to that film. I love that film. Yeah, that's the energy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's burn after reading meets office space. That's literally what it is. I want to write this one. Even at the end, like, you know, they're on the Tonight Show again, you know, 40 years later. It's just like, so, you know, take Sarah. What what did you you actually do? Well, we definitely killed a guy. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the end of the and that's the cut cut to black yeah. right there mm-hmm. we <laughs> know vince it's good like that vince vaughn and saying we that killed a guy. But they have him sitting there 14 feet tall in the chair mm-hmm. he's he, with whoever you know uh, it's, it's, how's the weather up there <laughs> julie louis dreyfus is floating just above the chair mm-hmm. and poor martin <laughs> is just like I can't actively do it. <laughs> I can't. There's nothing. If you hit me with a boom mic, I guess there'd be a nice dong sound. But I <laughs> know. Oh, let's get Questlove from the roots. <laughs> Drums on him. You just end it with a cameo of Fallon. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not going to end it with Fallon. We're going to end it with that guy I know who does a Fallon impression. And it's going to be really mean. <laughs> it's perfect. Um. <laughs> All right, Do Nothing, directed by Mike Judge, starring Martin Freeman, Vince Vaughn, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, and Dylan O'Brien, coming to theaters as soon as it's ready. <laughs> Just as soon as we do it. <laughs> as soon as it happens. <laughs> uh, not going to lie, though, I, I want to I brainstorm on this one a bit. This is, it's such an absurdist comedy is so fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> just those scenes would be so great of them just in the office contemplating what they're seeing but they don't know what they're seeing. We're going to have so much fun and it's going to be such a bad movie. (laughs) It's going to be the new mystery men for sure. (laughs) 
Oh, well, it looks like they had fun doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Except no one ever wants to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, all right. So uh, everyone, thanks for thanks for listening. Uh, we are sorry it took us a little while to get episode 44 out. Uh, episode 45 should be out on time. Uh, this episode will be launching when you listen to it, or at least the first time you can listen to it, will be February 12th. Uh, and then the next episode should be the 26th as we continue back to our every other Saturday schedule. Um, yeah. You know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Gmail. No Instagram Still yet. Still not Instagram. Still working on it. Um, but other than that, I don't think I have anything. Always looking for some listener content. Like, review, subscribe. All that fun stuff. Send it to your friends and family if they're looking for a good podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, anything, Rob? Just, you know, keep trying to stay safe out there, guys. You know, I live in a fully vaxxed, really safe house, and it's still the Rona snuck its way in. Yep. Yeah, so, it'll happen. Uh, keep on keeping on. And uh, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. We hope to have you back for the next episode. Once we hit 50, we're going to do a little milestone thing. We're still not entirely sure what it is, but we're going to put together something a little bit fun, uh, something different. Shake it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, until next time, I've been Rob. I've been Nick. And that's what we got. What Do You Got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Weiss. You can find her on Twitter at 